This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Monday, January 8th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. An initial agreement's been announced in Washington to head off a federal government shutdown. I'm Jackie Quinn. Widespread concerns surrounding this week's weather. I'm Clayton Neville. A door plug flew off a plane while in flight, causing the FAA to ground all Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes. I'm Julie Walker. Controversial Republican lawmaker is under investigation for domestic violence. I'm Pamela Furr. The Supreme Court is inserting itself squarely in this year's presidential election. Sagar Magani, Washington. On Wall Street, it was a down first week of the new year for stocks. Earnings season begins this week. I'm Jessica Ettinger. The flu season is getting worse. I'm Ed Donahue. All ahead on America in the Morning. An initial agreement has been announced in Washington to head off a federal government shutdown. As correspondent Jackie Quinn reports, while leadership on both sides of the House and Senate are calling the deal a win, there are questions as to if House conservatives will jump on board. The White House and congressional leaders say they've reached an agreement on top-line spending levels for the current fiscal year. President Biden says it puts them one step closer to preventing what he calls a needless government shutdown and protects important national priorities. House Speaker Mike Johnson told lawmakers the deal will secure $16 billion in additional spending cuts from a previous agreement brokered by former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden. Johnson says it's the most favorable budget agreement Republicans have achieved in over a decade, with sharper reductions than what was in a previous deal. The package is about $30 billion less than what the Senate was considering. Congressional negotiators needed to agree on overall spending levels so that appropriators can write the bills that set the line-by-line funding for federal agencies. The funding for some was set to run out January 19th. I'm Jackie Quinn. A weekend winter storm blanketed parts of the Northeast with snow, while correspondent Clayton Neville reports the threat for severe weather extends into other parts of the country to start the week. 15 million people were under winter storm warnings over the weekend in America. National Weather Service meteorologist Mark Chenard told the Associated Press that parts of New York and surrounding states were blitzed with snow. Portions of northeast Pennsylvania, even into northern New Jersey, the Hudson Valley, um, and then into portions of interior Massachusetts, there were totals over a foot of snow, between 12 and 18 inches of snow across that corridor. So it was a pretty significant storm once you got away from the coast. Some spots had more snowfall than others. Across interior portions of the Northeast, generally west of the I-95 corridor. Meteorologist Greg Carbon spoke with the AP. Most areas in interior New England should see anywhere from half a foot to a foot of snow with this event. But certain big cities avoided snow, as New York Governor Kathy Hochul pointed out. I know our friends in New York City have been waiting uh, 693 days to be able to build a snowman. And uh, lucky for them or unfortunately for them, depending on your perspective, they're going to have to wait a little bit longer. No real accumulation there. Another storm system is expected to dump heavy snow on parts of the Great Plains this week. And high winds and potential flooding concerns come with a system anticipated to hit parts of Texas and Louisiana before it would head east and eventually north over the next few days. I'm Clayton Neville. 
More troubling issues for Boeing 737 MAX airplanes. The NTSB is investigating how a door plug blew off a plane while in flight Friday evening, causing the FAA to ground all 737 MAX 9 planes for inspection. As correspondent Julie Walker reports, the midair incident shook up passengers on that Alaska Airlines flight and could impact air travel with planes being taken out of service. The blowout happening shortly after takeoff Friday evening from Portland, Oregon. The pilot radioing the tower, declaring an emergency, turning around, landing safely. We are emergency. We are depressurized. We do need to return back to... Audio courtesy, liveatc.net. Photos show a gaping hole where an emergency door could be, but the Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 9 had that door paneled over. Shows you how structurally strong those planes are. You could blow a hole like that because the hole was about as wide as a refrigerator and about two-thirds as high when I finally got to see it later. The cabin crew did an excellent job. Pilot did a great job. Um, can't say anything bad about them at all. Elizabeth Lee was one of 177 aboard. She spoke with KGW. We just heard like a loud thing or like a boom and I look up and the air masks are like out popped down and I look to my left and there's just this huge like gaping hole. NTSB Chair Jennifer Hammondy says headrests and part of a seat back were missing from 25 and 26A and there were clothes strewn about. No one was seated in 26A and B where the where that door that uh, door plug is. We could have end up with, ended up with something so much more tragic and real, really fortunate that that did not occur here. She says Boeing 737 MAX 9s have extra emergency exits, but airlines with fewer seats can plug those doors. And the NGSB is investigating what happened with this door plug. One good thing that, about this aircraft is there is an identical intact uh, door plug just on the other side. So there's a left one and a right one. We're going to be able to look at the right one, which is fully intact, and and see uh, what that one looks like and compare it. I'm Julie Walker. It may be the Supreme Court's vote. We hear the loudest in this year's presidential election. That's when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. You're with America in the morning.
On the national weather scene, let's find out where we might be expecting any rough weather today. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Well, the worst weather today will definitely be setting up across the central part of the nation where a storm will be rapidly intensifying. This storm will bring a wide variety of threats from disruptive heavy snow to localized flooding and even the threat for severe weather. On the cold side of the storm, a large swath of heavy snow will fall from the Colorado Rockies northeastward across Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa today, including places like Denver and Omaha. Snow will expand into the Midwest and Upper Great Lakes tonight to include places like Chicago and Minneapolis. There will be an increase in the wind where the snow falls, leading to blowing and drifting snow. This will likely result in widespread travel delays. Further south, a mix of rain and snow will be found as far south as Oklahoma and Missouri with a soaking rain bringing the risk of flooding to portions of eastern Texas into Arkansas and Louisiana. This will be a threat for severe weather today into tonight from near Houston eastward across southern portions of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle. Storms in these locations can produce flooding downpours, damaging winds, and even isolated tornadoes. Some showers will spread out ahead of the severe storms across the rest of Florida today. Much of the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast will have a break in between storms with dry weather and sunshine and patchy clouds, although some lake-effect snow showers will be found downwind of Lakes Erie and Ontario. The southwest portion of the United States will have sunny and dry weather with highs in the 50s and 60s over Southern California. Another storm will spread rain across the Pacific Northwest, making for a wet day from Seattle to Portland, with snow falling across the Cascades of Washington and Oregon. And that's the weather across America. In Boston today, sunny, high 37. Meanwhile, in Houston, heavy thunderstorms and a high of 67. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Colorado GOP Representative Lauren Boebert is being actively investigated by police over an alleged incident with her ex-husband this past weekend. Our Pamela Furr is following the story. The alleged altercation took place at a restaurant in Boebert's district on Saturday. Silt Police Chief Mike Kite confirms there's an investigation underway, but did not provide any further details. The Daily Beast is reporting Boebert's ex-husband called the police, saying he was a victim of domestic violence after he says the congresswoman punched him in the face twice while inside a local restaurant. In a statement, the lawmaker says this is a sad situation for all that keeps escalating. She says it's another reason why she's moving. You may recall Bobert recently announced she would be moving to a new, more conservative district in a bid to win a third term in 2024. She narrowly won re-election in 2022 by just a few hundred votes. It should be noted no one was arrested in the incident Saturday night. I'm Pamela Furr. The Supreme Court is inserting itself squarely in this year's presidential election. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. The high court says it will decide if Donald Trump can be kept off the 2024 presidential ballot because of his bid to overturn his 2020 loss. The justices have agreed to take up his appeal of a Colorado Supreme Court ruling that he's ineligible for the state's ballot based on his role surrounding the Capitol riot. If you're a certain person, you don't even get in trouble if you kill people. 
But if you're with us, they put you in jail. Look at what's happened with the J6 hostages. The hostages, that's a horrible thing. The Constitution's 14th Amendment bars some people who engaged in insurrection from holding public office. The U.S. Supreme Court has never ruled on the rarely used provision. The justices acknowledge they need to move fast since voters will soon start casting primary ballots. Arguments will be early next month. Sagar Magani, Washington. Booming over Friday's jobs report and where employment opportunities lie when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. America in the Morning continues volatility in the oil industry. Yesterday, Saudi Aramco released a statement saying it will be cutting crude prices to all regions, including Asia and Europe, citing weaker global oil prices and increased production by producers outside of OPEC and OPEC+. One of the countries producing more oil is the United States, which has been setting monthly records since September and also for the first time produced more oil than any other nation on Earth last month with no signs of cutting back. Canada and Brazil are also shattering their own output records. 29 states now have gasoline prices averaging below $3 a gallon. We turn now to more in Monday Business with CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a down week for the major averages to start 2024. Markets snapped a nine-week winning streak last Friday. But the averages did have some slight gains on Friday. After a nine-week 16% rally in the S&P 500, uh, you're backing off by 2%, the most kind of heavily favored stocks of 2023, the ones that had a lot of deferred profit-taking, have led the way down. It just seems relatively orderly and routine at this point. CNBC's Mike Santoli. Investors may be on hold today, maybe just churning a little because there's new data on inflation coming tomorrow. Apple shares slipped last Last Friday on a report the government's preparing an antitrust lawsuit against the company. The December jobs report came in strong. A bit stronger than expected at 216,000 unemployment rate. It remained at 3.7. We've got no uptick in the unemployment rate. CNBC's Rick Santelli, that 3.7% unemployment rate's very close to the 50-year low of 3.5% from 1969. Pepsi, seeing one of the world's biggest supermarket chains dropping its Pepsi, Doritos, and other products in France, Italy, Spain, and Belgium. Carrefour is protesting Pepsi's price increases. Carrefour's pushing back because they're saying... Inflation has slowed down. You can't keep raising prices like this. And that's not acceptable to our customers. CNBC's Becky Quick. If you see this happening with other big retailers, which I will anticipate would be the trend, I'm sure it's already happening with the Walmarts and the Costco's of the world because they have a lot of control over these things. They always push back. It's going to signal, okay, you can't use inflation as an excuse anymore for raising your prices. PepsiCo shares were down 1.5% on Friday. The average price of an American wedding this year will hit $30,000 according to Zola, and that does not include the engagement ring. And a job would be good. What do you make of last Friday's job numbers? Well, you know we always comb through those numbers. Honestly, aside from bars and restaurants, go become a nurse or a doctor. 
if you want some job security. Leisure and hospitality still making up ground from the pandemic. Healthcare, that doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. We need to hire nurses and doctors. That was up 38,000. One leading indicator, though, temporary help down 33,000. It's been down several months in a row. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. On today's watch list, we get the latest on consumer credit. No big earnings reports until this Friday when J.P. Morgan Chase releases results, marking the unofficial start to earnings season. Washington and Michigan playing for the College Football National Championship tonight in Houston. CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Hospitals feel the pinch as the flu season ramps up. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. A strengthening storm will create heavy snow, strong winds, and possibly blizzard conditions in the plains and Midwest today. On Saturday, fog produced treacherous conditions, causing a massive 35-vehicle pileup on a stretch of Interstate 5 west of Bakersfield, California. The crash was spread out over a half mile and included 17 cars and 18 trucks. Police report two people died, nine others sent to the hospital. That Interstate closed for more than 24 hours as crews were clearing damaged vehicles. The flu season is getting worse and hospitals are starting to feel the impact. Ed Donahue reports. Data from the CDC shows between Christmas and New Year's, 38 states had high or very high levels for respiratory illness, fever, cough, and other symptoms. That's up from 31 states the previous week. It covers not just flu, but coronavirus and RSV, too. But flu cases appear to be increasing most dramatically. CDC's Alicia Budd says so far this is a moderate flu season, but cases are expected to remain elevated for several more weeks. The agency reports 6,500 deaths so far from the flu this season. 27 children have died. The data also shows coronavirus illnesses may not be escalating as quickly as flu this winter, but it is putting more people in the hospital than flu. I'm Ed Donahue. America in the Morning for Monday, January 8th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. Conflicting views abound on the third anniversary of the January 6th riots at the Capitol. I'm John Stolness in Washington. Antony Blinken has kicked off a new Middle East tour as fears grow that the Gaza war may engulf the region. I'm Karen Chalas. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin remains hospitalized with complications from elective surgery. I'm Jackie Quinn. More documents connected to Jeffrey Epstein made public. I'm Clayton Neville. The Supreme Court is allowing Idaho to enforce its strict abortion ban, even in medical emergencies. I'm Julie Walker. Who were the big winners at the Golden Globes last night? I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages.
America in the morning's back, and we take a look at the national forecast now with a storm brewing in the central part of the nation. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has details on the snowmaker. It will be the central plain states where most of the snow will be falling today as a powerful storm continues to gather strength across the area. A large swath of heavy snow will fall from the Colorado Rockies northeastward across Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa today, including places like Denver and Omaha. Snow will expand to the Midwest and upper Great Lakes tonight to include places like Chicago and Minneapolis. There will be a large swath of 3 to 6 inches of snow across the central plains into the upper Midwest, but a heavier zone of snow on the order of 6 to 12 inches will fall from northern Kansas and eastern Nebraska into southern Iowa and northern Missouri. As the storm continues to gather strength, there will be an increase in the wind where the snow falls, leading to blowing and drifting snow. This can lead to widespread travel delays. Other areas that will receive snow today will be across the Washington, Oregon Cascades as another storm moves into the Pacific Northwest. Meanwhile, rain will fall across the lower elevations of western Washington and Oregon, making for a wet day from Seattle to Portland. The powerful storm will bring snow to the central plains today. It will also bring the threat for flooding and severe weather further south. A soaking rain will bring the risk of flooding to eastern parts of Texas and to Arkansas and Louisiana. This will be a threat for severe weather today into the night from near Houston eastward across southern portions of Louisiana Mississippi, Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle. Storms in these locations can produce flooding downpours, damaging winds, and even isolated tornadoes. Some showers will spread out ahead of the severe storms across the rest of Florida today. Meanwhile, a mix of rain and snow will be found as far south as Oklahoma and Missouri. Much of the mid-Atlantic and northeast will have a break in between storms with dry weather and sunshine and patchy clouds, though some lake-effect snow showers will be found downwind of Lakes Erie and Ontario over northwestern Pennsylvania and western New York. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Listen to our show where you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. As the nation marked the third anniversary of the January 6 attacks on the Capitol, new video emerged showing a harrowing encounter between rioters and members of Congress. John Stolness has the story from Washington. New video released by the Justice Department shows rioters standing just outside the House chamber, peering through glass they had broken at two Republican members of Congress, video filmed by one of the rioters. Open the door, brother. Painting a picture of the kinds of confrontations that were happening throughout the Capitol that day. In Pennsylvania on Friday, President Biden marked the third anniversary by saying many Republicans who once criticized the attacks are now downplaying them. As time has gone on, gone on, politics, fear, money, all have intervened. And now these MAGA voices who know the truth about Trump on January 6th have abandoned the truth and abandoned the democracy. Over the weekend, Donald Trump, campaigning in Iowa, didn't address the riots themselves, but talked about those rioters who have since been arrested and convicted of crimes. They ought to release the J6 hostages. They've suffered enough. They ought to release them. I call them hostages. Some people call them prisoners. I call them hostages. Release the J6 hostages, Joe. On NBC's Meet the Press, Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, the number four ranked member of the House and who some pundits believe could be a potential Trump running mate, echoed Trump's description of those convicted. I have concerns about the treatment of January 6 hostages. Uh, I have concerns. We have a role in Congress of oversight over our treatments of prisoners. Former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney on CBS's Face the Nation says it's clear Americans cannot trust leaders like Stefanik. 
Kilmanic, and House Speaker Mike Johnson, who played a key role in the legal battle to overturn the 2020 election results. You've had two members of Republican leadership in the House on television this morning. You've had Mike on again claiming that he has the right individually to decide that he's going to throw out millions of votes and ignore the rulings of the courts. You've had Elise Stefanik on this morning talking about the J6 hostages. Um, I mean, you don't have to take my word for the fact that you can't count on these elected Republicans to defend the Constitution. A new Washington Post poll over the weekend finds a quarter of all Americans believe it's either probably or definitely true the FBI investigated the January 6th attacks, an idea pushed by right-wing media. A third of Republicans and three in 10 independents believe the FBI organized and encouraged the insurrection. Former Vice President Mike Pence on CNN State of the Union trying to dispel those notions. The director of the FBI repeatedly assured the American people that uh, the the FBI were not the instigators uh, of the riot that occurred on, on January 6th. And uh, frankly, I'm very grateful. John Stolnes, Washington. With concerns escalating in the Middle East that the Israeli-Hamas war could extend to include the terrorist group Hezbollah in Lebanon, Secretary of State Antony Blinken kicked off a new Middle East tour with meetings in Turkey and then Greece. As correspondent Karen Shamas reports, Hezbollah's fired rockets at Israel in what it called a response to the Israelis' killing of a top leader from Hamas outside Beirut. Blinken and his delegation's feet squeaked on the marble floors of the hallway where he met with his Turkish counterpart Hakan Fidan in Istanbul. It's his fourth visit to the region in three months and comes amid worrying developments outside of Gaza in response to the conflict. Exchange of fire between Israel and Iran-backed Hezbollah in Lebanon continued after the presumed Israeli killing of a Hamas leader in Beirut. Lebanon's Hezbollah militia has fired dozens of rockets into northern Israel. The barrage comes with a warning by the group that it was only the initial response to the killing of a Hamas leader, presumably by Israel in Lebanon's capital this week. The rocket attack came a day after Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah said that his group must retaliate for the killing of Saleh Harouri in Beirut. Hezbollah's leader said it was the first strike by Israel in the Lebanese capital since 2006 adding, we cannot remain silent on a breach of this level of danger because it means that all of Lebanon will be left exposed. These are difficult and challenging times um, for the region and uh, it is uh, incredibly important for us to uh, stand by side by side, not just to work to further strengthen the relationship but also to act uh, as allies and to ensure that uh, peace and stability uh, returns to our troubled region. Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi rebels have stepped up attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Tensions were high even in Istanbul, as protesters showed their anger towards U.S. support for Israel, shouting, Murderer Blinken, get out of Turkey. Blinken will discuss what Turkey and others can do to ease soaring tensions, also focusing on the reconstruction and governance of post-war Gaza. We are standing together facing some of the uh, most acute challenges. Uh, that we've seen. But the fact that we're standing together, that we're working together, whether it's in defense of Ukraine, whether it's for peace and stability in the Mediterranean, whether it's dealing with the situation in the Middle East, uh, Gaza, and so many other ways, that's a tremendous source of strength and reassurance for the United States. I'm Karen Chamas. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin remains hospitalized with complications from elective surgery, something that was kept from the public all last week, a move that's raised questions on Capitol Hill, as we hear from correspondent Jackie Quinn. With uh, regard to uh, Secretary Austin, uh, I wasn't aware of his uh, uh, medical issue. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to, to Lloyd last weekend, 
uh, for this incident. Um, and I know that he's put out a statement addressing it. Um, what I can say is this. It has been, it remains one of the great privileges of my career over 30 years now working in, in government uh, to serve alongside Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin. The Pentagon press secretary now says Pentagon chief Lloyd Austin has been hospitalized at Walter Reed since Monday due to complications following a minor elective medical procedure. The department spokesman says Austin is recovering well, but it's not clear when he'll be released and says the hospitalization wasn't made public until now due to privacy and medical issues. Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks was prepared to exercise the powers of the the secretary if required. The silence runs contrary to normal practice with White House and cabinet officials, and the Pentagon Press Association filed a protest letter saying given the growing threats to U.S. military personnel in the Middle East, it's critical for the American public to be informed about the health status and decision-making ability of its top defense leader. I'm Jackie Quinn. When we return on America in the Morning, new revelations in the Epstein documents and the NRA president resigns. Those stories and more after these messages. I'm John Trout. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. A slew of documents continues to be released in batches related to the late Jeffrey Epstein. Correspondent Clayton Neville is following details. A third batch of court filings was made public over the weekend as documents continue to be released surrounding convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein and British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell. Some of the names that have already been connected to Epstein were included in the latest drop, like former President Clinton and Prince Andrew. A video deposition with a former Epstein house manager in Florida was also part of the most recent dump and described seeing a number of people flow in and out of the house. Phone logs and voice messages of Epstein were also released, as well as transcripts and communication between lawyers. The documents total more than 3,000 pages so far and are connected to a now-settled defamation lawsuit brought against Maxwell by one of Epstein's victims. I'm Clayton Neville. Wayne LaPierre, the longtime leader of the National Rifle Association, says he's resigning. Ed Donahue has that story. LaPierre says the resignation takes effect at the end of the month. He's been in charge of the NRA's day-to-day operations since 1991, acting as the face and vehement voice of its gun rights agenda. The NRA will not only speak out, we will speak out louder and we will speak out stronger than ever before. Monday, a trial starts in New York against LaPierre, the NRA, and other executives. He's accused of diverting millions of dollars from the NRA to pay for personal travel, private security, and other lavish perks. Wayne LaPierre has defended himself and says his passion for the cause of gun rights burns as deeply as ever. I'm Ed Donahue. America in the Morning continues. The U.S. Supreme Court is allowing Idaho to enforce its strict abortion ban even in medical emergencies while a legal fight continues. Here's correspondent Julie Walker. A lower court ruling had blocked the strict abortion ban, but the justices put that on hold, agreeing to an appeal 
and scheduling oral arguments for April. The Idaho case gives the Supreme Court its second major abortion dispute since overturning Roe v. Wade in 2022 and allowing states to severely restrict or ban abortion. The Biden administration had sued Idaho, arguing hospitals that receive Medicare funds are required by a federal law to provide emergency care, including abortion. A district judge in Idaho sided with the Biden administration. I'm Julie Walker. Some 200 million Orthodox Christians around the world have been celebrating Christmas Day. But as correspondent Lawrence Brooks reports, it's a holiday being overshadowed by global conflicts. Addressing crowds in St. Peter's Square, the Pope has called for peace in Israel and Ukraine. Patriarch Kirill is the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church, the world's largest Orthodox denomination. He led services at Moscow's Christ the Saviour Cathedral. In Georgia, hundreds have paraded through the streets of its capital in a traditional charity procession on Orthodox Christmas Day. A midnight mass was held in Bethlehem, but usual festivities were cancelled after the heads of major churches in Jerusalem asked their congregations to forego any unnecessary festive activities given the fighting in Gaza. I'm Lawrence Brooks. In a story that sounds like science fiction, our Chuck Palm in today's tech report says scientists are excited about a new discovery in magnetic levitation that could potentially lead to anti-gravity devices that defy the laws of physics. Scientists from the Technical University of Denmark have confirmed the underlying unusual physics of a newly discovered phenomenon of magnetic levitation. A Turkish scientist in 2021 uncovered a novel form of magnetic levitation when rapidly rotating magnets cause another magnet to levitate. Magnetic levitation has been used in transportation for years, but this newly discovered phenomenon allows these magnets to levitate in mid-air. Danish professor Rasmus Bjork said magnets should not hover when they're close together. Usually they'll either attract or repel. If you spin one of the magnets at high enough speeds, it turns out you can achieve hovering. Initial case use studies for weightless transportation of heavy objects could change the trucking industry as well as how we achieve orbit in space. But it is likely these are still several years away. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. With a check of Monday Sports on America in the Morning, here's Robert Workman. The NFL regular season wrapped up on Sunday night as the Bills came back to beat the Dolphins 21-14 and claim their fourth straight AFC East crown. Deontay Hardy's 96-yard punt return early in the fourth quarter tied the game, and Josh Allen, who had three turnovers in the first three quarters, hit Dawson Knox with a go-ahead score on their next drive. The turnovers in our own side of the field, no, those are never good, but resilient group. We kept our head down, kept working hard, and found a way to win. Earlier, the Titans knocked off the Jaguars, giving the AFC South title to the Texans, who beat the Colts on Saturday. That also put the Steelers into the postseason. Buccaneers blanked the Panthers to secure the NFC South. Saints slammed the Falcons. Derek Carr had four touchdown passes, but New Orleans lost the division tiebreaker to Tampa Bay and the wild card to Green Bay when the Packers got by the Bears. NFC East, the Cowboys clobbered the Commanders. Four touchdown passes for Dak Prescott. They win the division. The Giants surprised the Eagles. Philadelphia's fifth loss in the last six games, dropping them into a wild card. Lions licked the Vikings and will host a playoff game for the first time in over 30 years. Bengals bashed the Browns, so every team in the AFC North 
North wound up with a winning record. First time that's happened in the NFL since 1935. Rams, Chiefs, Seahawks, Jets, and Raiders win. The wild card round begins on Saturday. The Browns are at the Texans, then the Dolphins at the Chiefs. Sunday, it's the Steelers at the Bills, the Packers at the Cowboys, and the Rams at the Lions. Then on Monday night, the Eagles visit the Buccaneers. Black Monday, the day after the regular season when coaches often get fired, got an early start when the Falcons sacked Arthur Smith just after midnight. Atlanta went 7-10 and in each of his three seasons. They missed the playoffs the last six. College football's title game tonight in Houston, number one Michigan and number two Washington, both 14-0. That's Monday Sports. Thank you, Robert. Hollywood gets competitive in the Golden Globe Awards when America in the Morning returns after these messages. Thanks for being with us as America in the Morning continues. No serious drama, but some big winners at the Golden Globe Awards in Hollywood. Kevin Carr has a recap. The 81st annual Golden Globes took place last night, leaning away from the chaos that often befell the ceremony in the past. Comedian Joe Coy was a last-minute choice as host, and that fact did not go unnoticed during his Rocky monologue. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? The film to beat this award season is now Oppenheimer, whose wins include Best Drama, Christopher Nolan as Best Director, Robert Downey Jr. as Best Supporting Male Actor, and Killian Murphy as Best Male Actor in a Drama. Our first question, do I have lipstick all over my nose? Uh, I'm just going to leave it. Not to be outdone by her Barbenheimer counterpart, Barbie walked away with the new award for cinematic and box office achievement. Dedicate this to every single person on the planet who dressed up and went to the greatest place on earth. Poor Things wins included Best Comedy and Emma Stone as Best Female Actor in a Comedy. Alexander Payne's The Holdovers saw acting wins for Paul Giamatti and Divine Joy Randolph. You have made me feel seen in so many ways that I have never imagined. On the TV side of things, the big winner of the night was HBO's Succession, earning Best Drama plus acting awards for Matthew McFadden, Sarah Snook, and Kieran Culkin. FX's The Bear won Best Comedy Series with acting awards for Iowa Debris and Jeremy Allen White. I can't believe uh, I'm, I'm in this room. Other big winners include Netflix's Beef, with three awards and Lily Gladstone for Best Actress in Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm Kevin Carr. And with the top box office draws to a first-time Emmy Award winner, here's entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraleta. Wonka earned another $14.4 million domestically in its fourth week out, according to studio estimates. Audiences are down 16% compared to the same time last year. There was only one new major movie this week, the horror flick Night Swim, which debuts in second place. So you haven't told him all of this yet. Judith Light has been an actor for 50 years and just won her first Emmy for her role on the series Poker Face. Nick Offerman and Jasmine Guy also won their first Emmys ever. The Creative Arts Emmys on Saturday handed out awards that include technical categories and guest appearances. The main Emmy awards are January 15th. Don't give up on us, baby. Singer-actor David Soule died Thursday at the age of 80. He was known for playing Hutch on Starsky and Hutch and for the number one 1976 song, Don't Give Up On Us. I'm Archie Zaraleta. America in the Morning for Monday, January 8th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.